You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fight Soccer Podcast. It is October 19th, and Atlanta United has defeated New England 1-0 in the first round of the MLS Cup playoffs here on Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on a goal uh, by Franco Escobar in the 70th minute with an assist by Ezekiel Barco. The five stripes will play slash host either Philadelphia or New York Red Bulls on Thursday. It is an 8 p.m. kick. I think it's going to be televised by ESPN2. Um, or you can listen to it on the radio at either 92.9 FM or 94.1. I don't know. 92.9. It's 92.9. 92.9 the game. With my guest, Jason Longshore and Mike Conti, who's not my guest, but those are the guys on the radio. Yep, we're on at 7 o'clock on a Thursday. So you get a long pregame getting ready for the Eastern Conference semifinal against two teams that you haven't beaten this season. Yeah, tonight's win uh, did come with a cost. Uh, Captain Michael Parkhurst suffered what manager Frank DeBoer says is a dislocated shoulder. Uh, It came in stoppage time. They could not pop the shoulder back in. He was taken by ambulance uh, to, I guess, a local hospital. Um, The sad thing is, is that likely means this was the last game of his pretty storied MLS career. Um, I guess there's a chance he could come back for MLS Cup um, on November 10th or 11th. I've forgotten the date. Yeah. Uh, but that, I would think that unlikely at this point. It, it's it's so hard to tell um, without knowing exactly what happened and why the shoulder wasn't able to pop back in. Um, He's had a history of bad shoulders. Okay. Greg Garza has talked about that. They were the bungee brothers wearing those bungee wraps yeah, to try true. to keep those shoulders in. Uh, I don't know if it was his his history has been with his left shoulder or his right, right. shoulder. Tonight's injury was to his left shoulder. Yeah, it was uh, it was a little startling at that moment in the game with a couple minutes left in stoppage time to see you know Michael Parkhurst writhing in pain as they tried to pop it back in. I mean, I think they would have loved the situation to be able to pop that back in and somehow he could finish it out, but. He was in a lot of pain because when you've got a dislocated shoulder and you can't get it back into place, uh, it's just awful to see because Parkey was so big today, so important in this performance. You really didn't miss Miles Robinson today because of how good Parkhurst was. And then you go to four in the back where you are you think about it at first, like, oh, wow, and like this is even more concerning. It wasn't. Parkhurst was outstanding. Now, I've... 
been saying for months that I think Parkhurst can still play center back. He can't play wing back, which is what he was kind of put in earlier this season and didn't really play it very well. But when he played center back, um, he can handle that responsibility pretty well. And he showed it again tonight. He snuffed out a two-on-one, just read everything so, so well, which is the forte of his game. Um, So now we have to see what Frank DeBoer is going to do because he has remaining on the roster just three healthy, true center backs. Jeff Lorenowitz can play center back, but he played so well as a defensive midfielder, it doesn't seem to make sense to take him out of that spot and start him uh, on Thursday. So much, so much of it's going to depend on the opponent, I think. I think you're looking at two different game plans between Philadelphia or the Red Bulls, and, and a big part of that's the way the Red Bulls play and their pressing style. You want somebody on the back line who is as comfortable as possible with the ball at their feet against a team like the New York Red Bulls, and we've seen Jeff Lorenowitz play in the back against the Red Bulls before. It would make it more complicated in the midfield because Lorenowitz was another huge part of today's performance, but you're going to have to get creative to, to solve this problem now because it's highly unlikely you see Miles Robinson. You're, you're not going to see Michael Parkhurst on Thursday. What you do is is going to be critical, and it's this time of year where sometimes you just get into these overloads of injuries and you have to figure something out on the fly. Let's talk about uh, Escobar's goal. Um, he has a habit of scoring big goals and big games. Of his five goals that he scored for Atlanta United, three have come in the playoffs now. Um, it was after the team switched to uh, – Frank said it was a 4-3-3, a 4-3-3, but it looked more like a 4-4-1-1 as they were kind of deploying around. Um, but it happened. Barco kept the ball, kind of shrugged off one tackle, still kept the ball, something he did well all game. Russell was on the right and kind of stepped back which held two New England defenders. Escobar went into the space behind them. Barco put the ball there, and Escobar roofed it uh, with a fantastic shot to beat Matt Turner, who had a, a very good game for New England. The change in shape by Frank DeBoer won the match. Uh, it was a, a master stroke from him because game was slipping away a little bit at the beginning of the second half where New England was outplaying you with their – 4-4-2 that was very flexible against your 3-5-2 that got more static as the, the game went on. Go into whatever you want to call it. It was four in the back and it was two holding midfielders. The rest of it, you're going to figure it out on the fly anyway. It opened the game up and it opened the game up against two players that you could pick on in Brandon By and Dewan Jones. Dewan Jones um, 15 starts this season for New England. Hadn't started in a while. Last start was against RSL back on September 21st. And that was a bold move from Bruce Arena to start him. It looked pretty good early on because he was getting forward and giving you some problems. He was more mobile than Jaleel Anibaba. But when you put him in a situation to have to defend Julian Gressel and Franco Escobar going forward, Dewan Jones couldn't handle it. And Barco was able to hold the ball long enough to draw the defenders to him to create that space in behind. Perfect ball to Escobar and perfect finish from the Joker. Yeah, I thought Barco, we call him the Joker because he's got Joker tattoos all over his arms. Yes. Um, I don't know if he has the Joaquin Phoenix yet. Um, Oh, I'll bet you'll get it, though. I thought Barco uh, played a fantastic game 
yeah. uh, as as the attacking midfielder or second striker playing under Joseph. Looking at his stats, uh, three shots, none on goal, three chances created, but completed 83% of his passes and won five fouls. And probably could have won a couple more. Um, had a great chance. Ball was a little yep. behind him on the, the service. It was blocked at the top of the six. Barco was, was really good today and, and shows you his quality. I mean, if anything, you want him at times to be a little more selfish in the final thirds. Something we always talk about. Today, he was really focused on bringing everyone into the game. And the role that we see Darlington Nagby play a lot about linking the play and bringing other players in, Barco did that from the front. And it was a little different because it's a different role than you see other players play in that position. Barco was excellent and kind of made the attack work. Yeah, he, he and Nagby, I thought, worked very well in the different mm-hmm. zones or areas uh, of the field. Uh, it, you know, Frank DeBoer was asked after the game why Barco and not uh, Pitti Martinez, and it was a version of we, I think Barco gives us the best chance to win. Uh, we could play them both, like we did. This I'm paraphrasing, like we did against Minnesota. But for this game, I thought Barco uh, was needed, so that's why Barco started and why Pitti did not. Yeah, I I don't read into I think where some people take this as oh somebody's benched for the whole postseason. I think it's a matchup issue. I think it's the opponent. I think it's the way you want to play against the opponent. I think we see what New England can do to you. You have to be secure defensively. I thought Atlanta was was obviously good defensively. They got a clean sheet. That's pretty freaking good in the postseason. But you also can't have turnovers in bad spots. And you know that Pitti Martinez is a player who is going to try things because he's good enough to try them and he's good enough to pull them off. But when they don't come off, it's a different situation. I thought Emerson Hindman was solid today. I didn't think he was spectacular, but he was solid and he gave you what you needed as the third midfielder. I thought Frank did a good job of explaining this. He was the third midfielder, not a winger, not an additional forward. Barco was in the free role where he could go find the game. Can you play with Barco as the third midfielder and Pitti in the free role? You can, but Heinemann's a little more comfortable in this kind of game to do that. That doesn't mean it's going to be the lineup on Thursday. Yeah, I, I think if you play Pitti and Barco in the middle, you're going to have some defensive issues. Uh, Heinemann, one shot, one chance created. Uh, 81.3% passing, three tackles, one foul, one, one foul conceded tonight. Um, it's different roles. Uh, you can play him in the middle, but the roles have to be defined. Barco's going to have to come back more and play deeper because that's not Pitti's game. You take away from what makes him good, you want him up higher. Right. Uh, another kind of interesting number, uh, Atlanta United is now 7-0 and at home. That's Kennesaw State and here in tournament games uh, this year. And I don't think they have conceded a goal from open play in their playoff history at this point. Um, New York City goal last year. Was I think that was play? a. I think that was a dead ball. I the think New that was York, a, the Red Bulls one was off a corner. Right. The NYC one, I don't remember. I think but, it was off a set piece. So we'll, we'll take it. We'll be. We'll be a little looser on this. Um, two goals you've conceded in postseason play in, in Major League Soccer. And both of them, you had a 3-0 aggregate lead at the time. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. This team's got a mentality when you get to this time of year. Was it easy today? No. I, I thought New England played the best game they've played all season. I mean, this was everything they had. They took you to the limit because 
They're a much better team under Bruce Arena. They've lost four times under Bruce Arena. Two of them to Atlanta, one to NYC, and one to LAFC. You've lost to the three best teams in the league. That's the only teams you've lost to. Bruce did a great job with kind of a mismatched group of players. You give him an offseason, he upgrades the defense. New England will be a team to look at next year. Yeah, they'll get Edgar Castillo back uh, more than likely, which is a huge upgrade at left fullback. Yeah, because you haven't had one. Jalil Anibaba was playing there. He's not a left back. Dewan Jones is a converted winger. You've already got one converted attacker on the other side in Brandon By, who's turning into a very good right back. And it frees up Andrew Farrell to play in the middle. Farrell was excellent over these two games. He really made it difficult for Joseph Martinez to find space. He gives you that size and and speed combination that's just difficult against a a top defender. I thought Farrell was great. Yeah, Joseph, uh, three shots, one on target, one chance created, just 23 touches, which is not enough uh, for me. It's a little low. It's a low for him. Completed 84.6% of his passes, but that's not what you're really worried about other than link-up play. Um, you know, I, I thought that the refereeing tonight was not solid. I, I thought it was a little uneven. Uh, there were a couple of offside calls that should have gone uh, in Atlanta United's favor against New England uh, in the first half that the AR over there just flat missed. Yeah, uh, there was one that I definitely thought he missed. There was one that he put the flag up late, as they're instructed to, that played out about like I couldn't tell if, if he was putting that up for an offside or for a goal kick. The one that, that Brad and, and Leandro and I think Jeff Lorenowitz all went over to argue with was one that he was putting up for a late offside. I, okay, see, I thought that was a goal kick because the, he went the ball up. had already been touched by a couple more players before he put the flag up. Um, I think we're thinking of two different ones. No, we're thinking, I know we're, he we're thinking about the same up. one. If they um, go straight up, it's offside. If they go and out, then the kick. yellow card to Joseph in the first half. Hated what did it. you make of that? Hated it. Um, it's a 50-50 call, and, and I'm – I'm okay with them not calling the penalty there. I, you've seen that call a penalty. You've seen it not call a penalty. That's a judgment call. The yellow, so quick, when Stott was 30 to 35 yards away from it when it happened, I didn't like that at all. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm of the opinion, I disagree with a lot of people on Twitter, if you can believe that. Shocking. That not every bit of contact in the penalty box has to be a penalty kick. No. There should be allowances for intent, for result. And everything on that particular play, Turner and Joseph were both going for the ball. Turner uh, got Joseph's right calf. Joseph made a little bit of a meal of it and went down. Um, I thought that a no call would have probably been the best thing. Um, I would have been okay with that. I think the, the way it played out, Joseph had got to the ball. Turner looked like he grabbed at Joseph's foot, and I don't know how much he got. You feel the contact. You go down. That's Look, you're, if you get there the was, penalty there, it's a huge penalty. There was a great video taken by someone in one of the stands behind the goal, and you can see Turner pretty clearly scrape down Joseph's right calf. Yeah, I mean, it, it, again, it's been called. It hasn't been called. It's a judgment call. The yellow makes no sense, though, no. because there is yeah, that, something that was, there. Uh, that, was, that was my issue. Um, it should have been a no call, but you know whatever. Um, uh, the other games going on right now. I think Seattle is beating Dallas two to one. Two one. I think it's halftime. Uh, which is a big moral lift for Dallas, which has been just god awful on the road this year. Um, later tonight we have DC Red Bulls. Who's your pick in that? Or I'm sorry, uh, DC, DC Toronto. Toronto. 
I think it goes extra time and DC wins. I picked DC to win too. DC, yep. and it's not because DC's been great. I just think Josie Altador is not a hundred percent. DC has been really good defensively. Rooney will find something in this and get a goal in extra time, but I think it goes 120. Okay. I just think Toronto is vastly overrated. That's either here or there. Uh, and then the last game tonight is RSL Portland. Best upset possibility for Portland. 4-5, ah. right? I don't necessarily look at it as a huge upset. 3-6 is. I just think Portland has the right type of mentality to go in and play ugly and defend and, and make it difficult for a young team in RSL. Portland has won the last four times they've played. Okay. I think that means a little something here. Giovanni Savarese is one of the better managers in the league. They'll get something out of one of their veterans, and they'll just frustrate RSL. I think the difference for RSL, who needs to be the difference, is Demir Krylock. And, and I want to see what they do up top. Is it going to be Sam Johnson, who's more of a true number nine? Or do you play Krylock up there, who's a difficult matchup, and gave LAFC fits last year in the postseason? I, I, I like RSL. Um, I do, too. So I, just, I think I this think, is I think one they're of gonna, I think they're going to win. We'll see. Um, tomorrow's games, uh, we've got uh, Minnesota hosting the LA Galaxy. If it's a I, shootout, the Galaxy win. Otherwise, I think Minnesota wins comfortably. I've kind of gotten a kick out of the MLS website and social media talking about Zlatan being worried about Ike Opara. Like, Zlatan has, has played and beaten some of the best defenders in the world. I don't think he could pick Opara out of a one-man lineup. It doesn't mean that Opara <laughs> can't defend him well, but, yeah, I don't think he's, he's losing sleep over Ike Opara. Uh, let's see the other games. Uh, tomorrow we've got Philadelphia Red Bulls. Ooh, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Casper Shabilko is questionable. And the way that whole thing's been handled makes you think it's worse than they've let on. Can Philadelphia still get a win? Yeah, I think they can. I think Philadelphia is a tougher matchup for Atlanta, too. I know the Red Bulls history. I know the concern about playing the New York Red Bulls. But this is not the New York Red Bulls from the past. I think Philadelphia is a better team and a scarier proposition. I think they find a way to win. All right. So Jason is predicting Philadelphia to be here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Thursday in the second round of the MLS playoffs uh, against Atlanta United. Again, kickoff at 8 p.m. Game is on ESPN2. But I hope you'll not watch it on television and listen to Jason and Mike Conti while you're following me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. The radio.com app has uh, pause and rewind options now, so it's easy to sync it up. There you go. Jason, what do you have upcoming, buddy? Overreaction Monday at uh, 9 o'clock on Monday morning on the Soccer Down Here app and on Spreaker and on SoccerDownHere.net. And then we'll be hanging out at the Brewhouse Cafe Monday night for soccer over there. So we'll recap all of the stuff from this weekend in MLS, but also all of the action from the Premier League, from Serie A, from the Bundesliga, where there are some big games this weekend. We'll talk about Argentina. Oh, actually, sorry, I'm completely screwing it up. We're not there Monday night. We're there Tuesday at 6 because we're getting ready for the Copa Libertadores second leg of the semifinal, River at Boca. River comes in with a two-goal lead, but Boca gets the second leg at home. It's going to be fireworks in that. So Tuesday, 6 o'clock, and then the game starts at 8.30. If you see someone just standing around on the sidewalk, that's me doing my Vera Cruz impersonation. I do. Ha! I've already posted a little short on uh, Michael Parkhurst's injury. I'm going to have something on how the formational switch uh, helped Atlanta United win this game. I'm going to have something on how they're unbeaten in tournament games at home. Tomorrow I'll have probably something on whoever wins this Philadelphia Red Bulls game. And then uh, I'm trying to do something on how that hype video that Atlanta United put out, I think it was yesterday, 
kind of came together. It was really cool if you haven't seen it. Great work by a couple of guys, uh, Mikey and uh, Ryan uh, in Atlanta United. If I'm leaving someone out, I'm sure I am. I apologize. Those are the two guys I know. Uh, so anyway. Oh, we didn't say. How about Ric Flair, yo? I did, that didn't do it for me. Ah. Only because you see Ric Flair pimping out everybody. That's fine. I like when he pimps uh, out Atlanta United. But he was my favorite wrestler. Uh, so that's the, but there you go. Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Mark Bradley was here for the Atlanta Journal Constitution today, one of my coworkers. I hope you'll read his column, which I believe is already posted. I'll tweet it out. Atlanta United defeats New England one to nothing in the first round of the MLS Cup playoffs. Have a good day. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.